Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you. And I couldn't quite bring myself to do it to Mark earlier. I don't know how many finalies he had. I've got one more finally. Um, just as I move this up. Uh, one more finally. Uh, just if you weren't here last Sunday, uh, last Sunday was a really key Sunday in the life of the church family as we shared a bit of the vision um, of our building project, the, per- the, the purchase that we're hoping to make on a building and then the redevelopment of it. Um, and also we called uh, all who consider Lions Down to be their church family to go away and think, pray about giving financially towards that project. If you missed that, please do catch up on YouTube. Um, equally, um, if you didn't get one of these leaflets uh, on the way in, th- this gives you a bit of a summary of it. Um, and just as a reminder for those who, who were here as well, um, we've asked for initial responses to this. Um, the, the little slip on the back, and there's an online one that was emailed out and is on here. Initial responses by next Sunday. Now, if you're not in a position to do so by then, that's absolutely fine. Uh, please don't worry about that. It's just we, in a sense, need to set some kind of deadline to, at some stage, know where we're at in terms of finances we might have to work with going towards the project. So next, by next Sunday, please. And um, if you are ready, um, do fill that in. Brilliant. Let me pray for us, and then we'll um, have a look at these wonderful verses. Gracious God, as we look at your words now, please would you give us the right perspective, uh, the right perspective of how to view our lives now, particularly all the difficulties that there are. Father, please show us and reveal to us the wonderful future that awaits for all of your children. In Jesus' name, amen. We spend quite a lot of our lives comparing things, don't we? I don't know about you, but I love a good comparison website. Insurance, um, broadband, whatever. It gets head straight to a comparison website. Or if I'm buying something, you always want to look for that option. And I love those websites that are compare with, and you kind of get them alongside each other so you can see where they are. Uh, we compare buying things. We compare our football teams, not something I enjoy doing very much these days. We, uh, we're also probably too good at comparing ourselves to others. Not always a very helpful thing to do, but... We are often quick to do so. In our passage today, Paul says, look, there is something here that is not worth comparing. You can't even have it on that same web page. It's just so utterly different. Being marginalised and mocked by colleagues for being a Christian here and now is difficult, painful. Paul says that is not worth comparing with the future that awaits the children of God. A lifelong battle with a, with a sin that won't go away. Paul says the future for the children of God is it's not worth comparing with that struggle. That chronic pain that you live with for decades, Paul says it's not worth comparing with the future that awaits the children of God. That would have to be some pretty special future, wouldn't it? To make those things not worth comparing. But that's what Paul shows in these wonderful verses. As Mark has already highlighted, this chapter is emphasizing the rock-solid assurance Christians can have how the chapter begins with there is no condemnation 
No judgment, no punishment for Christians, for all who are in Christ. The chapter ends with there's no separation from the love of Christ. And in the middle, all these reasons to give us assurance. And today, particularly, it's thinking about present suffering and future glory. Last time out in Romans, a couple of weeks back, we were seeing some of the wonderful privileges that there are for God's children. And by the Spirit, we can, we can enjoy relationship with God. We can cry out and call him Abba, Father. We saw in chapter 8, verse 17, um, as children, we are therefore heirs, fellow heirs with Christ, which that remarkable promise means that all that is true for Jesus much that is true for Jesus, is true for, uh, for us adopted children too. All of God's promises we are heirs of. But have a look down again at verse 17 and, and note that there is a condition. Verse 17, And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Wow. Provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Paul here sums up the the pinnacle of Christian hope. He says that what Christians are looking forward to there is being glorified with Jesus. But to get there, the path there leads through suffering. That's the first heading if you've got your hand out there. Suffering is the path to glory. But if that's the case, what does Paul mean? Okay? What does glory mean? What does suffering mean? We've got to understand that if these are such massive things. Well, firstly, glory. Glory is, is, God's dis, is the display of God's perfection. His greatness, his majesty seen, displayed. And most clearly we see that in the Lord Jesus. But here, do you notice again, it's being glorified with Jesus. So the future that Christians are looking forward to is in some way Jesus' glory becoming ours. It's not simply just seeing his glory, but it's sharing his glory, being transformed into his image. That is the, Christian, that is the future that Christians look forward to. But that is true for those who walk this path of suffering. Well, again, what does Paul mean by suffering? The only clarification in this verse is it's suffer with him, suffering with Christ. What does that mean? Does it mean we've got to go and be crucified? We've got to struggle on those things? Well, I don't think so. I think the word suffering here is this all-encompassing term for the troubles and pains and difficulties that we go through while in this life. And with that in mind, I think, I think it's three things that we see from these verses around us. Firstly, it is the suffering in the struggle against sin. That is what Paul has been talking about all through chapter 7. That is what Paul was talking about in chapter 8 in the last verses, uh, particularly verses 12 and 13. Fighting against sin is hard, it's, it's difficult, it's painful, it's costly. Secondly, I think the suffering is is suffering of just living in this broken world. 
In a few moments, we're going to um, read a few more verses there that talks about creation itself being uh, groaning. It, it, it's futile. It's bondage to decay. And every single person who lives in this world feels that, experiences it, don't we? But then finally, I think that there is that sense of, of suffering, of, of persecution. Suffering particularly because of being a Christian. I mean, just for one example, have, have a look down at verse 35, and I think there we see um, these latter two things kind of side by side. Some of these things are just by living in this world. Some of these things are being Christians in this world. So what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You see, some of those things are distinctly Christian things, some of them just by living in this world. It's cancer. It's famine. It's oppression. It's persecution. It's heart attacks. It's heartache. Suffered with Christ. And this, is, of course, was, was Jesus' path too. The Bible makes much of this point, is that Jesus' path, this ultimate glorification, came through suffering. As he left his, his place in splendor in heaven, came down to earth, suffered and died on the cross, being condemned instead of his people. His path led from suffering and then, of course, to resurrection, ascension, and to glory. That was his path, and so it is ours. The, the very obvious question then for us is, well, is it worth it? Knowing that this world then is going to be so full of suffering, aren't we actually better off doing all that we can to try and avoid it? Let's invest everything we have to, in our, our security and comfort. Invest in your, your, your pensions and your um, medical insurance and, and, and everything else. Uh, wrap yourself in as much bubble wrap as you can here and now in comfort and ease. Aren't we better off just kind of giving in to sin? Well, why deny it? Why make life more painful and difficult? Definitely take the easy road. Don't, don't, don't put your head above the parapet. Don't stand up and speak out for Christ. That's just going to lead to troubles. Is this, this suffering worth it? Well, the glory that we look forward to makes that struggle worth it. And here's the second point, and really this is the main, uh, main thrust of not only this week's sermon, but, but next week's too, is that suffering is not worth comparing to that glory. Suffering now is not worth comparing to the glory that is coming. Have a look at verse 18. That's Paul's conclusion. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, sufferings he's just been talking about, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So suffering in the fight against sin, suffering living in this broken world, suffering for being a Christian, it's not even worth comparing to the glory that is to come. You know, some things we can compare. I gave some examples already, but some things you can compare. So you can compare Chu Chin Chow, which is my favorite eatery in this area. You can compare that, just dropping hints. Uh, you can compare that with a Sainsbury's Ready Meal. Okay, like it's obviously no competition, 
but you can compare that. You can make that comparison. What you can't compare is my good friend Mark Berry and a peanut, right? <laughs> Sorry. But you can't, can you? You've got Mark, who is a human being, an absolute joy, a rock-solid friend and Christian brother, to some inanimate object. It's just that you can't bring them alongside each other. Sorry, that was a bad example. <laughs> come back, come back. Um, that's why you write things down. Don't extemporize. Um, but there's, there are some things you compare, some things you can't. And Paul says, you can't compare this. You can't compare. It's not worth comparing sufferings now with the glory that is to be revealed. It's the glory to be revealed uh, to, it says in verse 18, and to us. It could be in us. It could be for us. It, Paul here is building on that idea of when we are glorified, oh, well, on that day... All of God's children will be seen to be God's children. We will be glorified and we will see the glory in one another. And we will see most ultimately and fully Jesus' glory. And he says, look, that glory means that the things that we go through now aren't worth comparing. But lest we think, well, yeah, okay, but Paul doesn't know what I'm going through. Okay, that might be well and good, but Paul doesn't know what I'm enduring, I've endured this week. Well, Paul is not someone who led a nice, cozy, comfortable, easy life. Five times Paul received what's called the 40 lashes minus one. It was kind of thought that 40 lashes would kill you, so they'd do 39. Five times he received that. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked, including a night and day adrift at sea. He was in constant danger from rivers and robbers. Whether he was in the city, the wilderness, at sea, he faced danger. Toil and hardship, sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, cold and exposure, and daily anxiety for all the churches that he loved so passionately about. Now, Paul knew what it meant to, be, to suffer. And indeed elsewhere, Paul talks about the, the thorn in his flesh. Whatever that may have been, that, that pain that he, he wrestled with and he cried out to God again, take it away from me. But was met with the answer, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And we've referred numerous times to that Paul's internal, Paul's wrestling with, um, with sin that we see particularly in chapter 7. Now Paul knew what it meant to suffer. He really knew, and I, he really knew what it meant to suffer. And yet, do you see verse 18? It is, I consider that that word is this, this settled conclusion. I've thought about it and I've determined that no suffering, the sufferings of this present time, all of those things we've mentioned, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to come. You see, the glory of the future puts the present sufferings in their right perspective. And helps us to endure them. Dear brothers, sisters, that the suffering that you are going through right now, or the sufferings that may well come or will come in some form or other, no matter how painful, no matter how long they linger, they're nothing compared to the glory that is to come. Brothers, sisters, keep this glory in mind. 
Because I think sometimes, I think in suffering, we, we sometimes look to, to the wrong place. Um, I, I sometimes, kind of visiting people in hospital or come out of hospital, and I hear them saying things like, um, yeah, it was bad, but you know, I looked around at the people on the wards around me and I go, you know what, it, it's, it's not so bad. At times we can say things like, oh yeah, I'm having a really tough, tough period, but you know what, a lot of people are far worse off than I. That's not Paul's approach. His approach is not to compare people who are worse off than himself, but it's to think about how much better off he is going to be coming in the future. His approach is to, as it were, compare his current sufferings to what is to come, and as he's doing that, he realizes, well, no, you can't even do it. It's not even worth comparing. So great is the glory to come for all of God's children. And then, through the rest of these verses, Paul explains in more detail why it is that the the, the coming glory, the future glory, is so much better than present sufferings. Uh, Paul Paul gives two, two main reasons, connected reasons. We're going to look at one this week, the other next. But I think the one next week is the one that we would probably more naturally think about. The one we're going to see next week is the full and final enjoyment of our relationship with God. It is the redemption of our bodies. I think that's where we kind of naturally go thinking, wow, that's going to be great, isn't it? And of course it is. But that's not where Paul goes first. So before we get there, Paul wants us to, to show us that the glory we look forward to, it's so much more and better than simply some Christians in heaven. So great and complete is God's saving work that the whole of creation is wrapped up in it. The coming glory is a a really big thing. So so you're going to have to do some hard work, but it's well worth it. Okay, I want you to follow Paul's argument uh, with me. So let me start again from verse 18. We'll follow it through. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For, because, here's his reason. For, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So creation here is personified. Um, it's, um, uh, uh, sorry, it's kind of judders of English at school, personification. But you know, the creation, the created order is, Kind of this, this being. With, uh, and this being here, it's in verse 19, it's, it has this eager longing. And that, that word is it's like standing on its tiptoes, craning its neck. You know, like the crowds at the coronation. Tiptoes, straining its neck, trying to get the, your glimpse. That's what creation's doing here. And it is longing for, eagerly longing for, the revealing of the sons of God. It's waiting for that time when all the children of God are going to be seen as they are and glorified. And why is the creation looking forward to this so much? Why is it straining its neck, looking and waiting for this to come? Well, again, verse 24, here's the the, the reason. And then in verse 20, Paul explains, first off, he actually explains why the world is so full of trouble and pain at the moment. Well, it's been subjected to futility. You see, creation was caught up in the consequences of humanity's sin. So not only 
were Adam and Eve, uh, were they cursed by God? But creation, the world, the environment in which they live was cursed too. So in Genesis 3, we cursed is the ground because of you. So pain, hardship, toil, decay, death. Creation itself is broken. Verse 20 talks about it um, being subjected to futility. Verse 21, it's bondage to corruption. See, droughts, earthquakes, floods, pandemics, exploitation, all, all these things caught up and results of sin. The created order was caught up in the consequences of those things too. Of course, there are some wonderful and lovely aspects of creation, aren't there? And yet even in all its goodness and beauty and splendor, it's not reached its potential, if we put it that way. Creation was meant to be the theater for God's glory. But since the fall, it's never been free to, to be that. that that's creation as, as we experience life now, and we know that. But Paul says that's not what it will always be. So let me again read from verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. There, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is talking about God. God has subjected creation to this, um, this futility. But in hope, that's not the end of it. There's, there's more, there's better to come. This is why creation is, is longing, looking eagerly for the revealing of the, of the sons of God. And then see how Paul goes on in verse 21, uh, that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's what creation is waiting for. That's what creation is longing its neck, waiting to... When the children of God revealed... Well, then just as creation was caught up in the fall of humanity, well, in the redemption of humanity, creation itself is going to be caught up in that too. Do you notice the double emphasis in verse 21? Freedom, being set free from the, um, uh, the bondage to corruption and the freedom, obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You know, just as... Jesus is, will ultimately be glorified and his people with him, well, also the creation itself. That's what creation aspires to. And then verse 22, Paul summarizes with a helpful illustration. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And if you wander into Barnet Hospital you'll hear different kinds of groaning. There are the groanings of pain and of death. But if you walk past the maternity ward, you also hear groans of pain, but hope, pain and anticipation. And so when we read the news and we, we hear of, of wildfires sweeping vast areas of land and people getting their homes lost and people dying, it's creation groaning. When you think back to the pandemic, it's creation groaning. When you get ill, it's creation groaning. Groaning in pain, yes, but in hope and anticipation of what is to come. 
Remember that next time you read the news. You see, creation, it's not simply Christians caught up in, in heaven that we look forward to. No, it's actually a new heaven and a new earth, recreated in all its glory, all its splendor, splendor as it was meant to be. You see, the, envir- the very environment too becomes a fitting home for God's glorified children. Paul says, look, the present sufferings are not worth comparing to the future glory. Why is that the case? Well, that's the case because creation itself is, is so looking forward to waiting for that time when the children will be revealed. Why is it looking forward and waiting to that? Well, creation itself is going to be caught up in that full and final redemption. This, this, this future is, is bigger than I think we so often think of it. So much more. And this, as I said earlier, gives us perspective on the present sufferings. It's not to belittle anything, to make light of anything you may go through, but just to see in comparison with the unimaginable splendor and glory of what is to come in creation, and then next week we'll see indeed in ourselves. It's not worth comparing. And there will be people in this church family who are going through real struggles, real pains, real suffering, even right now. What makes it worth enduring? How can we keep going when in those terribly tricky and hard, painful times we remember what is to come? Don't don't lose sight of the, the glory that is to come. Fix your eyes on that. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would give us this perspective. It is not always easy in the midst of suffering and trouble and pain to remember. It is so easy to get so fixated and focused on ourselves and what we're going through. Father, in those times of pain, in those times of trouble, please, Father, would our instincts be to, rem- to remember and to look forward in hope. Thank you so much for your great redeeming work that not only people, but actually the environment in which we live is going to be new and glorious and wonderful. And Father, please would you remember these things now, even if we're not in the struggle, but that we'd be prepared and equipped for when those times come. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.